Hey, hey, folks, welcome back to the Friday show here on the Culture Jack podcast with me, your host, Dustin. It has been too long. I'm so sorry I missed you. There was just uh, last week. I just I can't figure it out, man. It was it was a bizarre week, and I sat down several times to record the thing. And whether I was distracted by things in my own personal life or things that were going on in the news, it was a very newsworthy week as well. For whatever reason it was, I just couldn't manage to get the episode recorded for you. And as a result. Today's episode of the Friday show is going to be, I don't want to say it's going to be dated, but it's going to be a little bit dated because I do have some news articles and things that I was going to bring up last week and I'm foregoing looking at newer pieces of news. So maybe the Monday Madness will pick up some of those things. And if not, I will come back next Friday with things that I have found a little bit more interesting in this coming week, I guess, and this last week as well. Uh, but I wanted to start you off with a news story. Forgive me. I'm out of practice. It's been two weeks. I'm getting ahead of myself. How are you? <laughs> How are you doing? I hope you're doing well. Today on the show, we are going to be talking about the MCU television shows that are coming out specifically on Disney Plus in 2021. Disney and Kevin Feige have said that there are going to be, I think, six shows coming out this year, and then there's going to be another six shows coming out next year as well. And so we should have a pretty filled slate when it comes to at least these MCU shows. So I'm going to be talking about that, and I have to remind you that this last Monday, there was another episode of Monday Madness, so hopefully you had an opportunity to catch that there was no uh, midweek special for Wednesday. Unfortunately, it was my turn to put one out. And just like the Friday show, I just I haven't been able to play a lot of cyberpunk. And this may feel like a show full of excuses. And gosh dang it, if that's what it turns out to be, that's what it turns out to be. A couple weeks ago, we did get together, though, and film a special episode, uh, a midweek special. And we talked about social media influence and um, different features for, for modern consoles. And so I thought that was kind of a cool episode. So if you haven't got an opportunity to check that out, check that out as well. So I wanted to start out with a piece of news that's it's been itching the back of my brain for a couple of weeks now. And I did mention that I, I watched Wonder Woman 1984, which was an excellent show. I, I, I The heater just came on in my house. It just kicked on. And so if you hear a little bit of background noise, I apologize for that. So Wonder Woman 1984 came out. And it was an okay movie. Like, it wasn't bad. It wasn't as great as the original Wonder Woman. Um, that one was, was absolutely amazing. I got goosebumps watching her come out of that trench, like I've said a thousand times. The DCEU kicked off proper with that Wonder Woman movie. This one was a little more lackluster, though it still had a cool a cool plot, a cool premise, and I, I thought some very good action sequences, and some that were a little more subpar. But there's been a controversy about Wonder Woman 1984. And if you haven't if you haven't watched Wonder Woman 1984 yet, this will spoil it for you a little bit, so uh, you 
feel free to pause the episode, fast forward it, come back to it later, whatever you feel like you need to do. But in the movie, Steve Trevor, who had been killed in the first movie, came back to life via the powers of the Wish Stone. And Diana Prince wished that he'd be back. Now, the thing with the the Wish Stone is you get something, you, you get your heart's deepest desire, but at the same time, you are then plagued with a curse. You are take, Something that is very valuable to you is taken away. And so this was kind of the main narrative brush of the movie where as the movie went on, though she had Steve Trevor back, her powers were slowly waning. They were, they were going away. How specifically that Steve Tre- Trevor came back was the, the point of contention on the internet as he took over the body of another person living in, in 1984, the time this movie takes place, and was reunited with Wonder Woman. It was touching. It was, it was beautiful. And then Wonder Woman and a, <laughs> a Steve Trevor parasite then had some, some what we can all assume was wonderful coitus and made love. Now, the Internet has a problem with this because this was a non-consensual sexual act based on... Uh, you know, this guy who just had his body taken and now he's having sex with Wonder Woman without his permission. And so a lot of people are talking about it and they're weighing the pros and the cons and they're weighing, you know, what actually happened and what consent means. And Patty Jenkins, the director for the film, even got on. And this is where I got the news because someone else on Twitter had defended it and said that, Really, that Patty Jenkins and Wonder Woman 1984 was just they were they were kind of using that body swap trope. And he, he goes on with a long explanation talking about that Patty Jenkins wasn't playing with that trope and even uh, intentionally pointing out how problematic it was. And then secondly, uh, the movie implies that if you revoke your wish, then then much of the impact of your wish is then revoked. Uh, hence, even the sex Diana had with the guy possessed with Steve may have actually been eradicated from the movie's fabric of reality. And Patty Jenkins thought that that was a good defense of this uh, body swapping, of this body swapping trope, and Steve <laughs> and Diana using this man. Uh, but that doesn't that doesn't track. the The only defense of this of this most heinous violation of these persons personal persons is that this is a this is a movie and it's fake and it's not real that's that's what it is now if there were if there were things like the wish stone that could actually take it but i can't imagine someone in good faith getting upset about a thing that is just not real and it it has no no basis in reality I mean, I guess an argument could be made about, you know, consent in uh, those things that aren't talked about or 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 discussed or implied consent or, or just I mean, it's just so weird that this is the thing that the Internet gets fired up about. But I thought it'd be fun to give a, a culture jacked kind of perspective on it. And honestly, 
I, I, I don't see the, and well, there was another argument made online about uh, the Tom Hanks movie Big, where Tom Hanks was effectively turned into an adult, though he was still a child, and then he did have sex with an adult woman, so that woman, in effect, would then be a statutory rapist or something along those lines. And so it's just, it's bizarre the things that we choose uh, to get riled up about. In other movie news, uh, the Suicide Squad director James Gunn confirmed that Suicide Squad will be rated R. And oh, there was an article I found on IGN talking about a, a giant man-made bubble that is keeping radiation away from the Earth and may in fact be soaking up some of the re- radiation caused by Earth. And it's, it's from VLF radio frequencies. And so I thought that was kind of interesting. According to NASA, the bubble was first detected in 2017 and is the result of very low frequency radio communications often used for coded or long distance messaging, such as contacting submarines deep underwater. These frequencies have been leaking into space and have created a barrier of sorts around the Earth. And it is uh, it's protecting us. Uh, It's keeping charged radioactive particles from entering Earth's atmosphere. So very interesting uh, weird stuff. That's not really movie news, I guess. It's just <laughs> it's atmospheric space news. There was a report of the DCEU's main continuity Batman going from Ben Affleck to now Michael Keaton. Now, Michael Keaton has been either rumored or confirmed to be playing his original Batman Bruce Wayne character in the Flash movie in the Flashpoint movie where all these timelines and different dimensions will will be in play and kind of make that multiverse for the DCEU. The thing about it is, though, that rumor apparently was also then debunked, and Michael Keaton hasn't signed on to play any Batmans after that. Ben Affleck notoriously wants out of the DCEU, uh, so this is going to be his last appearance as the Batfleck, as Bruce Wayne, as Batman in the Flashpoint movie. So the actor will probably be recast. And a lot of the hype surrounding this Michael Keaton news was the fact that Michael Keaton is he's much older. And so he could play a more uh, old kind of war torn Bruce Wayne and then be a mentor to a young uh a young protege in in the theme of Batman Beyond. And then this was going to be our stepping stone to get Batman Beyond on the big screen, which is an incredibly popular animated show. So if you haven't seen that animated show, that's kind of what people were what people were hyped about. Uh, moving on to gaming news, just a couple quick ones here. I've got, I've got these tabs open on my phone. And so I've got uh, Microsoft, uh, a, Microsoft's attempt to buy Sony, no, not buy Sony, to buy Nintendo, was met with laughter. So apparently back in 2000, uh, Microsoft was going around everywhere. Oh, in other news that I didn't do not have open in my tabs, and I said I wasn't going to get into any more recent news, but it has been reported that Microsoft has currently gone to every major development studio to make an offer to either buy their service, buy their buy their studio, or to have their studio appear on Game Pass. So that's that's pretty interesting. I wonder if anything's gonna come of that. Remember we had that Ubisoft rumor not too long ago? 
I mean, we'll see if anything, anything comes from it. So Microsoft could not buy Nintendo. Uh, a news report saying the Nintendo Switch dominated 2020, at least in the UK. It sold more than every other console combined over there in the United Kingdom. Uh, do, do, do. Facebook study discovers majority of mobile users prefer free-to-play ad-supported games. And so, <clears throat> let's see, what is what does this say? It says that most of the discoveries are nothing we didn't already know, although some of the new numbers are much larger than anticipated. For example, out of all of the types of mobile games, the vast majority of players in all regions prefer free-to-play ad-supported games. Across the U.S., the U.K., South Korea, and Germany, there's not another mobile gaming format that's more popular than those supported by ads. Free-to-play with microtransactions is a close second, followed by game purchases with no ads, battle passes, and monthly game bundles. On average, more than 35% of players in all the above regions gravitate toward ad-based games. Despite everyone's universal hatred of ads, it seems that it's still the most popular way to get your mobile gaming fix. And I guess that'd be true for myself as well. I don't play a lot of games on my on my phone, but the games that I do play all have ads in them, I want to say. There's not a lot of big ticket games that I'm looking forward to, that I'm following the development cycle of that I go, man, I just can't wait to play that game on my phone. And so I guess that tracks tracks for me. Ask the people around you, ask the people around you that have games on their phones. What kinds of games do they play? If in those games appears ads, let's do a quick little, quick little study of our own here. We can call it a culture jack study. And then other people can go out and quote culture jacked, uh, <laughs> quote our study. Uh, we've got a report here that the Oculus Quest 2, uh, I own an Oculus Quest 2, thank you, I'm a VR boy now, has had more active monthly users than the original Quest in just its seven, first seven weeks since its release. So that's pretty, that's pretty crazy. And I was looking at, I was looking at this article talking about how great the Oculus Quest 2 is doing, and that's fantastic news, I think that's really exciting, but. In the article, near the end of it, it was talking about Oculus Quest shoes. And so apparently there's a VR shoe that you can get that adapts to your Oculus Quest 2. And what it is, it's just like these adapters that are strapped onto your feet. And it also comes with a low-ply carpet that's a, a fairly big circle. And in the middle of the circle is a stool and the stool has a pretty good forward lean or angle on it so you're kind of sitting forward in the chair and what it does is you take these shoes that very easily slide across the carpet and you sim simulate the uh, the walking that's included in VR I mean it's <laughs> it's so weird you have to have such a you gotta have a lot of space I mean you gotta have a lot of space in general to do VR but you have to have a lot of space and a good enough setup to be able to simulate this walking. Because in other VR games, you've got little thumbsticks 
on the controllers for your hands so you can move your character forward that way. Another popular way is there's like a teleport option and so you point at something with your VR headset or with your controller and you release a button and you'll teleport to that location. And so that'll simulate your character or your avatar moving in the game. And this way, you get to put a lot of the locomotion by your own actual feet movement. And I think the really cool thing about VR is we're going to continue to see these very small incremental increases and advancement in the technology until we get to a point where we're all wearing full body tactile response body suits. We have neural implants in our brain. So it's just tricking our nervous system into thinking that we're being eaten, eaten or we're being shot or we're shooting at the future of virtual reality is such a cool prospect. And it seems like such the thing of science fiction and a, a thing of the future that we're just never going to get there. But man, Man, it's fun to think about. Okay, I've lost my <laughs> I've lost my place on my phone. Okay, the last the last story that I'm going to tell you is the the title here is Nintendo issues a mass DMCA takedown. 379 fan-made games are forcibly removed. And the game uh, website they were removed from was uh, gamejolt.com. Now, this isn't this isn't anything that's new with Nintendo. For people that pay attention to the industry, listen to podcasts like this one, and you know others that actually have maybe have their finger a little more on the pulse of the gaming industry, are not surprised to hear that Nintendo is going to dramatic lengths to protect their uh, their licenses, to protect their material, and it's just it's a shame. To me, too, because on the one hand, you have the you have a company that is the most rabid about shutting down fan made projects, about uh, limiting the use of their licenses, about going after those people who make in often cases homage or or really are really big just fans of their work and then on the other hand you have these fans of these beloved characters these easily recognizable characters who just adore the product and want to want to pay their respects and then make games that honor the characters and just the spirit of these Nintendo franchises but they cannot because Nintendo is they are like I said they are just ruthless in their their determination to shut these kinds of things down so it's kind of sad when you see like entire Pokemon games that are developed by fans that are then shut down well I can't remember what that game was it was like Pokemon radioactive or Pokemon nuclear or something all right that's it for the news I know you you, you came here for the news, but you stayed for whatever I've come up with for this particular week. <laughs> and this particular week, like I said at the beginning, at the top of the show, is going to be focused almost exclusively 
on MCU stuff. This is a this is a primer for the MCU shows that you're going to see in 2021. And next week I'm going to do a primer for the movies that you're going to see in the MCU in 2021. And not just the MCU. I'm actually going to I'm going to branch out into other Marvel properties that are not necessarily associated with Kevin Feige's kingdom. However, they are maybe tangentially connected in some way. And I'm looking at you, Venom. I'm looking at you, Carnage. I'm looking at <laughs> at you, Mobius. Everything in that Sony Spider-Verse that's kind of connected to the MCU, but not. I'm going to be giving, giving you a heads up there. So... What I wanted to do, and and this, I, I thought it was kind of interesting because I oftentimes will go into these movies blind, but if I can get enough heads up and I, I, I think about it enough, I will research the characters that I'm looking into or that I'm that are going to be in these movies so I can have a better idea of how they compare to their on-screen counterparts and to kind of see maybe where the story's going to go next. But I thought, Dustin, why be selfish? with this knowledge why why keep it keep it to yourself share it with other people that are no doubt going to see these things and so i thought what i do is i would uh, look at the shows that are happening this year and go online kind of figure out what characters might appear in it what plots what arcs might happen what connections might be made and then share that with you. So you maybe have a little bit better idea, or maybe you might find or hear about a character that really interests you, really, really piques your curiosity that you then go and look up yourself. Or maybe you might even find a comic book that really is your cup of tea. So uh, there is a lot of characters that are going, uh, that are going to or are about to debut that you may know next to nothing about. Uh, I want to help you better prepare and get you up to speed on some of the weirdness that you're, you're about to experience. Uh, what I'm going to do with this list, I'm going to make the assumption that you've already been following along in the MCU. So I'm not going to go over details about characters that have may, maybe have already appeared in movies and shows like Black Widow. I feel like you know who she is. And so I'm not going to talk about her. I'm not going to talk about her right now anyway, because uh, she's a movie and she's not, well, she's a, she's a person. Well, she's not a person. She's a character from a comic book that's going to be in a movie next this year. Hopefully. God damn it. Disney, please. <laughs> uh, and she's not a show. I'll talk about her next week, but I won't talk about her because you know about her. I digress. If you know about them or I feel like you know about them, you're probably not going to hear much about them in this episode. Uh, I'm not going to be talking about too many of the powerless side characters either, unless they have a significant role in the comics or they're a character that's maybe piqued my interest or I don't know, maybe I will. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, also just as a, a wor word of warning, there may be some spoilers in here. I, I don't know how much of the, I don't know how much of the comics that these shows are going to adapt. So some of the more direct polls when I say, oh, she is an important character, or he is an important character, or this is how they are related, that may be a spoiler for what's coming up in the show. 
if you've been paying attention to the MCU, they kind of keep it uh, kind of a loose connection to the comics. They're true to the characters, though, and that's what's important. So just be warned, you may get a spoiler that I don't even know is a spoiler. And by the time this podcast airs, we're already going to have two episodes of WandaVision out. So happy WandaVision Day if you're listening to the podcast. Hopefully you listen to this podcast before you before you uh, watch the show because I think I'm going to make a couple predictions about WandaVision and then we can see how much of a Nostradustin I really am. So to begin, the show's coming out on the MCU and the Marvel shows, the Disney Plus shows coming out in 2021. We have WandaVision on January 15th. The Falcon and the Winter Soldier on March 19th. Loki coming sometime in May. And I, I believe Loki may have been pushed back. Or Falcon and the Winter Soldier may have been pushed back. And so they may be appearing later. Uh, then sometime in the mid-2021, uh, sometime <laughs> mid mid this year, is the What If show. And then Miss Marvel is coming in late 2021. And then Hawkeye is coming after that in late uh, 2021 as well. So starting out with today's show, WandaVision. Uh, and I know you're familiar with the character uh, Wanda Maximoff, uh, the Scarlet Witch, and Vision in the MCU, but they have a incredibly deep history in the comic books. Like, in the, sh- in the movie... In the show movie, in the show movie, <clears throat> in the movie, they ran off and they got together and they're like, hey, is this working between us? Are we working? And then the events of Infinity War happened. And before you knew it, Vision had the the Infinity Stone ripped right out of his head and he died. And Scarlet Witch was obviously very upset until she herself turned into dust because of the snap. I think she turned into dust. Anyway, they have been married in the comic books, they have had children in the comic books, and they have had children like Wanda. She was, yes, impregnated by Vision, the robot, but also with the help of a demon from hell in the comic books. And so I don't know how much that'll play because eventually we're going to get a Ghost Rider in the MCU. We're going to get a Ghost Rider. And a big part of Ghost Rider's lore is with the demon Mephisto. And so, I don't know, maybe there is a connection with a demon character Mephisto in this show. That'd be super cool. That'd be super cool that if they started to pull from some of the more, I guess, magical elements of the Marvel mythos. The thing about Marvel is they've Yes, these things aren't grounded in reality, but they use kind of a reality light. They use a excuse that there's always some science-based explanation around a thing. But with Doctor Strange, the, the first Doctor Strange, and then hopefully a lot in the second one, they're going to dive into some of the more mystical elements of Marvel. But Wanda and Vision have a long, long and storied history in the comics. Uh Wanda, she recreated reality. Like, she has incredible powers in the comic books. She's also uh, one of the children of Magneto. So, uh, hopefully there's kind of a... There's a connection there with 
mutants in some way. And a lot of people are thinking that WandaVision is going to be the stepping stone we know to Doctor Strange, but also maybe the stepping stone to a reality shift or paradigm shift where mutants have existed or are just coming into existence in the MCU. Oh, another news story I just read. Uh, it's been confirmed that Deadpool is going to be part of the MCU. And yes, he is going to be rated R. Will he show up on Disney Plus? I hope so. I hope so. Parents, start watching your <laughs> watching your kids. Watch those ratings because not all Marvel characters are for all people. Uh, who else is going to be in this show? Monica Rambeau. Uh, she's the little girl from Captain Marvel. Because Captain Marvel was set, I believe, in the 80s or 90s. It was set in the 90s. Um, now, in the comics, Monica Rambeau has the power uh, to manipulate and absorb energy. And a lot of eagle-eyed fans have seen in the trailer she's wearing a necklace that's got, it's got a little sword on it. And so sword, if this is an Easter egg to what we're thinking about, in the comics, it stands for uh, Sentient World Observation and Response Department because they all have to have, you know, their acronym. And SWORD is uh, a subdivision of SHIELD. It's a counterterrorism and uh, intelligence agency that deals with extraterrestrial threats to world security. Uh, it was created for the comics in 2004 by Joss Whedon. And online, people are thinking that SWORD is what Nick Fury was starting up and what he was up to in the end credit scene of Spider-Man Far From Home. Remember uh, Talos, the Skrull, shape, shape-shifted out of Nick Fury form and called him up and was like, hey, I'm dealing with some stuff. And Nick Fury's like, that's cool, deal with it. And he's in shorts at the beach or whatever, but then he stood up and he's like in space. So a lot of people are thinking that uh, he is going on to develop S.W.O.R.D., as kind of a response system to otherworldly threats, maybe Thanos level threats. I'm not entirely sure, but it'll be very exciting to see. So we'll, it'll be cool to see what Monica Rambeau's, what her kind of role in, in all of this is and whether or not we're going to see and experience some of sword in this one. Now the next character is uh, Agnes. And if you've seen the trailers, Agnes is like, She's like a nosy neighbor. She's basically Ethel from I Love Lucy. And I didn't I didn't care for the character in the trailers. I was like, oh, great. This is just something else to not be super crazy and awesome. This is just a normal, a normal character, a normal person, uh, which they have in the comics. I'm not saying that they don't need these things, but I was so pleased to find out when I went online, there are a lot of fans that believe that she is actually a character named Agatha Harkness. And the reason that's so exciting is because Agatha Harkness is an old, old, old witch who survived the Salem witch trials and became kind of a mentor to Scarlet Witch. This is another character that has very deep comic book connections with Wanda Maximoff. Uh, she even at one point, I think she was, I believe she was killed by the Scarlet Witch. And then she continued to haunt the Scarlet Witch and continued to be a mentor from beyond the grave. So uh, <laughs> I don't know. And then in the, in the trailer, uh, there was a moment uh, when 
she was sitting in a car just kind of spacing out and vision came up to the window and he said, excuse and she's like acted all scared. And she said, am I dead? And she's in a witch costume. There's apparently a Halloween sequence happening in the show. At some point she's in a witch costume and she said, am I dead? And vision said, no, why would you say that? And she looked at him and laughed and she said, because you are <sighs> what? So, even if she's not Agatha Harkness uh, from the comics, she is someone that knows more than she is letting on. Or maybe she's just a person who knows about the events of Infinity War and knows about Vision's defeat at the hands of Thanos and is just catching a little bit of reality and going, whoa, this guy's dead. Why is he talking to me here? But either which way, it will be very exciting to see what Agnes turns into. Uh, Darcy Lewis is back uh, as... She was the intern in the Thor movies. Apparently she's back and she's like a full-fledged scientist now. Uh, Jimmy Woo, he's the FBI agent from Ant-Man 2. He was the one that was monitoring uh, Scott Lang's uh, home imprisonment. He's back in some some form or fashion. So overall, WandaVision, uh, theories, anticipations, desires. I guess it'd be desires mostly because I'm not good with theories. I just am a... I'm a regurgitation machine from the internet. I'm not just, I follow what I think would be really cool. And so a lot of people are saying that they think WandaVision is going to be the introduction of mutants because in the comics, Scarlet Witch got, she went so insane that she snapped, she snapped away a lot of humanity and made mutants the, the reigning force on earth and she reconfigured everything. So I don't know what the implications of this show are going to be, but if they are in such a way that Scarlet Witch is, she's finding her powers and finding her ability to transform things on such a massive scale. Is she going to be able to have impact way, way outside just this one show? Like, will they, (laughs) will they be able to recast characters that are gone? I mean, I know the, the, the gal in the new Black Widow movie, I can't remember her name, but she's like the younger sister of, of uh, <laughs> shoot, Natasha Romanoff. She's like the younger sister, and she's rumored to be taking over the mantle of Black Widow, but they could actually cast another Natasha Romanoff, and because of the reality-swapping nature of things, actually have Natasha Romanoff as Black Widow still. There's been rumors about bringing the Netflix characters, uh, the the Matt Murdocks of of the world, the Jessica Jones of the world into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And this could be a way that that happens. We've got to see the Fantastic Four yet. Is this something that could do something to set up the Fantastic Four? I don't know. It's all very exciting. I I don't think, but I hope. I hope that some of these rumors are correct and that WandaVision opens a door to getting us more of these characters and more of these great, wonderful events from the comics on the big screen in a way that does them justification because they have all of the characters to work with. I would love to see the Illuminati, the Mr. Fantastic, Black Panther, uh, Namor. Who else was in the Illuminati? I believe Professor X and Doctor Strange as well. 
Like that would be so cool because they were the ones that sent Hulk off the planet because he was too dangerous. How they'd adapt it now because they already kind of did a quasi adaptation of Planet Hulk in Thor Ragnarok. I don't know. And the more I hear his licensing rights are still a little bit tricky. But regardless, you've got all of these characters and I'm so excited to see how they do them. And I'm so excited to see a Wolverine that's not Hugh Jackman. (laughs) I'm sorry, Hugh. But it's how I feel. Okay, the next show is The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And again, a couple characters from the MCU proper that you've seen before. Sam Wilson, the Falcon, and Bucky Barnes, uh, the Winter Soldier. Hopefully, you know, Sam Wilson had a drone in, what was it, the Age of Ultron? No, it wasn't the Age of Ultron. He had a drone in, must have been Civil War, must have been. Smust is my new word. So he had a drone that he called Red Wing. But in the comics, Red Wing was an actual falcon. So I would love to see him get a falcon. But in the comics, he also had telepathic powers over birds like Aquaman and fish. But this guy, he could control and talk to birds. He has an incredible and storied history in the comics. Unfortunately, it's basically been watered down to, hey, there's this secret suit from the military that's got wings. and We'll steal it back. So hopefully we'll get some more more backstory for Sam Wilson or hopefully he can become powered in a way. Although he's a cool ass character, man. Like if if they just keep going, this could be an origin story for a Sam Wilson type and it could be a good origin story. Maybe they just need to add more of it to his character. And I'm, I'm excited to see him in the spotlight. I'm excited to see Bucky Barnes. Their relationship in civil war was so funny. It was comic gold. Cause they just had this, <laughs> they both wanted to be captain America's best buddy, but they were just kind of competing with one another. Move your seat up. No, I don't think I will. Oh, never mind. That was, that was Steve Rogers at the end end game. Anyway, very, very excited. Also excited. Uh, Helmut Zemo, uh, which is the Baron Zemo in the comics, but was just some dude who lost his family, who worked for Hydra at one point. Did he work for Hydra? Or was he part of the Soviet operation? Either way, uh, this guy, he was just a guy, and he lost his family, and so he had a grudge against the Avengers, and so he took it out on him, and he orchestrated this whole thing to frame the Winter Soldier and pit them against one another. Um, And it, it just... Like, it did such a disservice to the actual character and the lineage because this guy in the comics is actually a descendant from a long line of Zemos. And his father, Heinrich Zemo, he, I believe he was a Nazi or he worked with the Nazis or was um, pressured to work with the Nazis or something. It's something to do with the Nazis, but he was an inventor and he invented a super adhesive and an anti-aging serum and... I think he eventually he fell into a vat of this uh, su- this super adhesive, and then he got this purple mask glued to his face, and so he just was in that all the time. He wore a crown. Hopefully there is some... Because apparently, Helmut Zemo is going to be wearing the purple mask of his comic book counterpart. Hopefully he... I don't know, there's some... There's some more backstory given to maybe his lineage. Maybe he finds out that he goes, oh, shoot, 
I'm not just a guy. I am from a long line of really, really bad guys. So we'll, we'll see about that. Sharon Carter's back in this. She's Peggy Carter's niece. Um, so we'll see. I don't know if she's there as a romantic interest because uh, she did have that thing for Captain America. But Captain America, as we all know, he went you know into the past to go find his his uh, his bay. <laughs> he went to go find his bay, uh, Peggy Carter, her aunt. Uh, so I don't know what's going to go on there. She's back. There is going to be a character. Oh man, this is going to be so cool. Uh, there's a character named John Walker. And he is his name, his his superhero name, or maybe supervillain, or maybe antihero. You decide. Is the U.S. agent. His deal is, he joined the army to fight in the Vietnam War, like his brother Mike. Uh, Mike died a war hero, so when John Walker joined, his plan he planned to become a war hero as well. But the war ended before he could. Uh, so he came back to America, all pissed off. And a person in the comics named Power Broker gave him superpowers. And he became a character named the Super Patriot. And he would go out and do these speaking events. And he was very critical of Captain America. Uh, he, he didn't think that Captain America stood exactly for the ideals that America stood for. And so he staged an attack at one of his speaking events by the Bold Urban Commandos, a.k.a. the Buckies. And then he uh, he fought Captain America. He became Captain America at one point. Uh, Steve Rogers and Walker they they fought before they were learned they learned that they were being manipulated by the Red Skull. And then Walker he returned the title and the suit to Steve Rogers at that time because he he goes okay yeah you are Captain America now Steve Rogers is out of the picture so none of that's going to happen but there will be confrontation I imagine with the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. The thing about the U.S. agent is he is supposed to be this ultra-patriotic, ultra-nationalist who goes too far and uh, murders and kills and assaults. And there's been some, some pictures posted online of some of the production where this guy is just beating the ever-loving shit out of some dude. Um I'm excited to see where they go with John Walker, the U.S. agent. And he had buddies as well. Uh, Lamar Hoskins, uh, a character who went by the superhero name of Battlestar. He partnered with John Walker at one point to become the new Bucky. And he was a wrestler who was given super strength by the power broker as well. And eventually he ditched the name uh, Bucky and became a, a character named Battlestar. So, to what degree these these folks are going to affect the show, I'm not sure whether John Walker and uh, Lamar Hoskins are going to be bad at first and then get taken on by our two protagonists. And then maybe I could see John Walker still being a little butthurt, a little bit of a bad guy, but Lamar Hoskins kind of repenting and going, okay, I'm Battlestar. What do you need me for? Maybe a new character uh, in the in the franchise. Another character, Leaping Leaping Batrock, George's Batrock. He appeared as a pirate, actually, in the Captain America Winter Soldier. Remember at the beginning of that movie when Captain America jumped out of the helicarrier? and Not the helicarrier, just one of the jets, I guess. And he went and fought on that battleship. And there was that dude who was like a kickboxer. 
Well, he's an actual comic book character. In the comics, he was a character that was hired by Baron Zemo. So maybe we will see a little bit of the connection there between these two characters where none was in indicated in the uh, Winter Soldier. Or maybe we'll just see a connection made to these guys. Like, I hate Captain America. I do hate Captain America as well. You want to join up? And the, the last guy that's supposed to appear in this show... Well, he's not the last guy that's supposed to appear, but the last major character that I could find on the Internet is a guy who goes by the title Flag Smasher. His name is Guy Theralt. And I'm just going to I'm just going to read you this synopsis here. <clears throat> Flag Smasher laid out his intentions pretty clearly in his very first appearance. If we were to erase national boundaries and accept the essential unity of all mankind, the world would be a better place. Earth would not be divided into nations. We are the world, not a bunch of different species. Swiss-born father was an ambassador killed in a riot outside a Latvian embassy. Now, I think this would be super cool uh, <laughs> for those of you that picked it up. Latvian, Latveria, Dr. Doom. So Dr. Doom was kind of the monarch that governed over Latveria in the comic books. Now, is this the connection where we get to see a Dr. Doom type character and potentially a Fantastic Four type introduction? I don't know, but to continue on with Flag Smasher. In Flag Smasher's second appearance, he debuted a group called... <laughs> oh, guys. Oh, you're going to have to hold on to your pants for this one. It is the underground, liberated, totally integrated mobile army to unite mankind. And if you were paying attention, the acronym is Ultimatum. The villain built the anti-patriotic terrorist organization to further his vision using his team to hijack a plane and call out Captain America. Uh, so eventually that group split up. So Flag Smasher, <laughs> I think I read at one point he went to one of these UN buildings and he took down all of the flags <laughs> off of the flagpoles and ripped them up or blew them up or something. He sounds like a really interesting character. And so <laughs> it's so funny when you look at Marvel comics or any comics, especially ones with characters that debuted back in the day, back 40, 50 years ago, the the writers in those rooms were just obviously looking around or watching TV. And they're like, man, look at the doorknob on that door. Doorknob man, doorknob man. He, his father was a locksmith and he was killed when he went to go uh, unlock someone's house that happened to be part of a terrorist organization. And so he forever swore that he would make doorknobs that could not be locked. And so he goes and tears off doorknob, like just the most random shit that they were like, this is our next, this is our next character. But that's, that's the last character that I'm going to talk about in uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So uh, the next show is Loki. It's supposed to be coming out in May. Like I said, it may, may be pushed back. I'm not sure. But they've also greenlit a second season already. So apparently it's really, really good. And that's going uh, to begin filming January of next year. Kevin Feige has confirmed that it's going to tie in with Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. And here's hoping also WandaVision as well. Please, 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 let's do it. Um, so we all know and love Loki. He's a interesting kind of character. So we're not going to be talking about him, but... I mean, basically, the, the premise of this show, when you watched Endgame, 
it was Loki being hauled out of the Stark Tower after the events of the first Avengers. And the Tesseract was broken loose and it rolled over or it slid over to Loki's feet. He picked it up and he warped out. And that's where we come in to Loki. That's where we all the action starts on this man's man. If you haven't seen that trailer, go watch it because it is just insane. So Loki, the trickster god, the son of both frost giants and and Odin, he goes on this kind of time jumping adventure. And it seems this is where he comes in contact to uh, or with Mobius M. Mobius. That's Owen Wilson's character. Now, I for one, let me just let's just take a moment and 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 tell each other how excited we are to finally see Owen Wilson in an MCU movie. Like this has been a long time coming. This is what we've wanted to see. So Owen Wilson plays a character named Mobius M. Mobius, who is a senior executive of middle management in the TVA or the time variance authority. And they're, they're people that are in charge of uh, keeping tabs on different timelines and if needed, determining their fate. So it's kind of like those time cops, the authority from the umbrella Academy. Remember the ones that five was a part of. And if you haven't seen the umbrella Academy, just piss off then. I don't want to talk to you. I want to talk to my uh, umbrella heads. That's what they're named in the, (laughs) in the fandom. So, the TVA has had a lot of comic book appearances and a lot of times in the TVA it's been because an adventurer, a superhero or a villain has been manipulating the time stream too much. Like they've taken advantage of the timelines and maybe mucked something up. There was a time where they were the the time the time variance authority arrested the fantastic four and then i think maybe the invisible woman did a little flirtation with this mobius m mobius character and he ended up dropping the charges and giving them a tour of the tva as well kang the conqueror has been um has been arrested by the tva i think dr doom has as well so a lot of these characters that are linked it seems like with the fantastic four maybe have some kind of history with the TVA. And so I'm excited to see what their role is. And it's always interesting in these MCU movies when a new a new set piece comes out or a new organization, whether it's a Hydra, whether it's Wakanda, whether it's the TVA, whether it's AIM or SWORD or SHIELD. You just have so much opportunity at that point to build out this universe even more and go, okay, yes, there are things happening here, but there's a whole other set of things that are happening over here with these particular groups or these particular areas or these locations. And that's going to be built out even more if they ever get the damn rights to Namor and they can uh, talk about Namor, the Submariner and, and Atlantis and then Atlantis's feud with Wakanda. And it's going to be a whole big thing. And I just I'm here for it. I just want to tell you I'm here for it. I'm ready for it. Another character, well, actually, the only other character that I could find that's confirmed to be um, is Kang the Conqueror in this Loki show. Uh, That's Nathaniel Richards, who was born in the year 3000 A.D. He's a uh, as a a child, he was obsessed with history. There was a uh, moment in his childhood where he was bullied and harassed and someone they either punched his throat or they cut his throat and. 
while he was healing up at home, he was studying history. He's apparently got an old distant relative in the past. And that, at least in the reading I did, was alluded to be Reed Richards or Dr. Dooms. Uh, so the, <laughs> he, while he's at home reading about this history and just kind of fawning over it, he built himself a time machine and he went to all different time periods. He traveled back to ancient Egypt and became Rama Tut, or he took on the moniker Rama Tut, and he ruled for 10 years before he was then chased out by In Saba'ur, and that is famously the mutant apocalypse. And so King the Conqueror, he is supposed to not just appear in Loki, but he's going to appear in the Ant-Man uh, third, third, third Ant-Man movie, Quantumania. And so this Kang the Conqueror character, if he's not going to be the big time-traveling bad of the Fantastic Four, he is another character that can connect all of these different, ki- these different characters. He can connect the X-Men to the Fantastic Four, to Loki, to the Avengers. And so I'm very excited about that. Um, Nathaniel Richards, while he was traveling through time, he's diverged his personality or he's diverged timelines a couple of times and become different characters. He became uh, a character named the Scarlet Centurion who took over a version of earth. And then uh, another divergence of Nathaniel Richards, he constructed a metallic alloy bodysuit, conquered a planet and named himself Kang the Conqueror. And there was even a point at t- in time where Kang the Conqueror went back in time or forward in time, depending on where he came from, to go to the year 3000 AD and stop a young Nathaniel Richards from getting his throat cut or, or punched uh, <laughs> and said, hey, look, you can't deal with these bullies. This is what you're going to become. This is the greatness that you are going to achieve. Don't worry about this nonsense. And then that scared Nathaniel Richards off so much that he went back in time to coordinate with the Avengers and the Fantastic Four to stop his future self or past self at this point, King the Conqueror. And then that messed up the timelines. And then he he went back on his word and eventually became King the Conqueror anyway. So that goes to show you kids, no matter how much you want a different outcome, you cannot just go screw with the timeline because if you do, time is fixed. Things are going to turn out the way they're going to turn out. So not a lot of information on the Loki show. There's been some rumors talking about a sister to Loki showing up and not not a not Hela, but like a she Loki, so a trickster uh, who is his sister as well. So whether that's a, a character that is one of his relations from his frost giant lineage, or if it's just a character who kind of embodies that devilish trickster type attitude that Loki has. Uh, what if it's not a show that I can, I can tell you will be a direct adaptation from a comic anywhere that I could find it is a show, it's a series of alternate timelines for some of the most popular Marvel stories. And I don't think they're going to do any direct adaptations. They are going to include a character named, I think his name's Utu the Watcher. Eotu? Eotu? 
you say it more times, Dustin, you're just going to keep screwing it up. Anyway, they've got a, a watcher there, and these are like the celestial beings that watch and record the major events that happen in the world. And so he is going to be the narrator of the show. But aside from that, there really isn't going to be a, a, a true comic book adaptation that we can take. I did see some Easter eggs, like a very popular event in the comics was zombies. And so there was a Captain America who was a zombie. So whether that is just kind of an Easter egg or something that they're teasing for the future, it's going to be alternate realities of things that we've seen in the movies thus far. Like Peggy Carter, instead of Steve Rogers becoming a Captain America, she takes the super soldier serum and becomes a Captain uh, Britain. And I think maybe Steve Rogers was the one piloting the war machine armor that she was riding on. And then there was an event where T'Challa, the Black Panther, instead of becoming the Black Panther, was recruited by the Ravagers and became Marvel's version of Star-Lord and went off into space. And I think maybe a Doctor Strange, Tony Stark swap as well, where instead of Doctor Stephen Strange becoming the the oh shoot what is his title <laughs> he's he's a, a wizard harry <laughs> i don't know oh what is his title he's the master of the dark arts no no that's voldemort long story short tony stark is ronald weasley that's all I can. <laughs> that's all I can tell you. Uh, but what if it looks really interesting? The thing about it is, is the animation kind of catches me off guard because a lot of these 3D animated Marvel shows, a lot of these 3D animated DC shows, the animation just doesn't hold up. Like the same quality of live action plus CG effects that the main movies are does not translate into the animated features and it's such a shame because they are doing so well they've got the capital that they could recruit an animation studio like madhouse or they could recruit an animation studio like studio ghibli what would a studio ghibli marvel film look like oh man that'd be super cool so anyway what if should be really interesting um and if not really, if the show's not really interesting and maybe the show's not well voice acted or well scripted, at the very least, it will be an incredible catalyst for you to talk with your friends about these different scenarios. I know I'm going to. Uh, in late 2021, Miss Marvel is going to come out. Now, Miss Marvel is a very popular character, not to be confused with Captain Marvel. From the show that from the movie that we've already seen, but Miss Marvel has become just kind of a rock star in the comic book world. She's very, very popular. She's a very popular character. Um, she is a uh, young woman. She's a teenager who just kind of idolizes these superheroes, and she was hit with a with the Terrigen Mist. So for those of you for the the uninitiated. A Terrigen Mist is, oh God, I don't even know what a Terrigen Mist is. Okay, a Terrigen Mist is something that activates the latent inhuman DNA in regular people. And so the inhumans 
would have a ceremony where they would um, activate this DNA in their brothers and sisters of the inhuman race. Now, there was an event in the comics where a Terrigen bomb went off and covered the world in this mist. So people that were not inhumans or were not part of that inhuman society led by Black Bolt would have their latent powers activated. And the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. did a, a, a kind of loose adaptation of this where the the Terrigen got loose into the sea and then it was eaten by fish and then fish oil tablets were made and then everyone who ate this fish oil got powers all of a sudden and this stuff was chaos. But this mist covers the world and it, it, it engulfs a young Kamala Khan and she is such a fan of Captain Marvel the the character because you know she stands for everything that's good and and righteous and she's just kind of a fan girl she likes all all of the superheroes by the way not just Captain Marvel um but her power is she gets a power to have like moldable features and she can disguise herself so when she begins her superhero journey she figures out how to disguise herself as Captain Marvel And eventually she decides she doesn't need that anymore because she can be a hero on her own right without her. But she does respect the way that she got started and who she admired. So and so she takes on the moniker of Miss Marvel. She's an incredible fangirl. She acts so much like an audience proxy. Now, if Deadpool were not coming to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, this could be a character that could identify some of the, I, I guess, more more logical leaps that the MCU takes in kind of a fourth person, uh, a fourth wall breaking kind of kind of situation. Fourth person, get out of here, Dustin. You don't know a thing. I know it's true. She's also set to appear in Captain Marvel two. So some of the characters that are are going to appear in Miss Marvel. Now, I have not read personally a lot of Miss Marvel myself. However, I did get one of those omnibus sets of Miss Marvel. So I have I feel like I have a pretty good grasp on who Kamala Khan is as a character. And she's wonderful because she's just so easy to relate to. Uh, I mean, I guess if you're a teenager, I'm a 36 year old man. But if uh, <laughs> if you're if, remembering back those days when I was a pimple faced unbathed heathen that uh, I don't know. I just, it's really cool. So some of the characters that are going to appear or supposed to appear in Miss um, Marvel are red dagger a character named Kareem. Uh, he's a, a knight. He is. I don't know if this is a, a young man or young woman. Um, they are a knight vigilante who protect the people of Pakistan uh, they're a relative of Kamala Khan, and they this this person lived with the Khans as an exchange student to earn foreign language credits. They've got a mastery of throwing knives, and they're excellent marksmen. The next one is uh, Cameron, and or Cameron. The, I, I'm now I'm not sure if he's got like a superhero name or actually a supervillain name because he's actually a bad guy. In the comic that I have, he relates to Kamala Khan because he is also an inhuman and he shows her his powers and she shows him her powers and he seems like he's a pretty good guy and you know uh, he he is a devout follower of the Islamic 
religion just like she and her family are and so he's someone that she can date and but it turns out he's like a bad guy and he I can't remember what his what his villain kind of arc was but he goes to try and recruit her and that goes sour because she's like no you're a bad guy and then they knock her over the head and kidnap her and take her to a place but then she's also rescued by her good friend and close compatriot squirrel girl could this be could could miss marvel be the introduction that we get to squirrel girl in the comics now squirrel girl is kind of a joke of a character but at one point in the comics, she did also defeat Thanos. So I don't know. There's that. Uh, there's all of uh, Kamala's family, uh, Amir Khan, Muniba Khan, and Yusuf Khan. And that is her older brother, her mother, and her father, respectively. Uh, Bruno Corelli uh, is one of Kamala's best pals and her confidant. Uh, he, he has feelings for Kamala Khan, but just their, their, her religion will not allow her to date someone outside of her religion. And it's super sweet the way they do it in the comics, because like the parents are so understanding. They can see this kid just wearing his heart on his sleeve, but he just, he just can't be accepted into her family because of that. And so it's, it's sad and it's tragic, but it's this, the character, the character that these these characters showcase in the comics are just so personable and so real. And then the last character is uh, Nakia Bahadir, uh, and she's another close friend of Kamala. She's from a Turkish family, and she attends the same mosque as Kamala's family. I'm excited to see Miss Marvel, mostly because of her power set. So her powers, like I said earlier, she can kind of transform her identity and become disguised but she can also she can grow really large and i think maybe even really small i'm not sure she's kind of like a mr fantastic type character with kind of rubberized components but she says embiggen and she makes her fist really big and she smashes people with her her really big fist so i'm excited to see how the special effects for this character turn out are they going to turn out incredibly well or are they going to be something like we see with iron fist remember iron fist on netflix where yeah he's got this power to make his hand indestructible and glow and become a concussive blast but he never uses it so i hope it's not like that i hope they don't do us dirty like that but who knows they just might uh and the last entry that i have for today's primer is hawkeye coming late 2021 so this is uh, Jeremy Renner's Hawkeye is going to be in this, but he is also going to be training a replacement, training his successor, Kate Bishop. Uh, in the comics, Kate, she was kidnapped and she was saved by the Avengers and in particular uh, Hawkeye. So she was kidnapped and she was saved by Hawkeye. She admired him because he is an Avenger, but he doesn't have any powers. So she thought that was really admirable. Uh, she saw him as kind of a father figure because her own father, uh, she witnessed him committing an assault on another person in his personal study when she was very young. Kate was also a victim of sexual assault, which drove her further to study uh, martial arts, swordsmanship, and archery. 
And she was a member of the Young Avengers, which is awesome because they may be planting seeds for actual Young Avengers team up with Cassie Lang, Riri Williams, uh, Shuri, all of these characters in combination. Another character uh, slated to appear is Echo. Uh Maya Lopez is her name. She's a Native American woman who was born deaf. Her father was killed by Kingpin, uh, but she was convinced by Kingpin that it was actually Daredevil that killed her father. So in the comics, she used her ability to copy motion that she sees to fight. She fought Daredevil. It was revealed it was Kingpin. So she attacked and temporarily blinded Kingpin. Uh, And apparently there was a romantic interest with Daredevil at some point in the comics. She's also met up with Wolverine, who helped her on a vision quest. She took on the mantle of Ronan for a little bit. And she was eventually killed by Elektra and then revived by Elektra and Dark Magic. And there was a point in the comics where she was Ronan and then she disappeared or was killed. And then Hawkeye... He took over the Ronin persona and then she came back and said, hey, man, keep the armor. It fits you. And then he was Ronin for a little bit, little while there. So uh, she's a cool, cool sounding character. And there's uh, a, a character who, whose hero name is the Swordsman, uh, Jacques Duquenis. Duquesne. I messed that last one up and I... Uh, I don't know how to fix it. (laughs) He was a circus and carnival performer who did stunts with swords, knives, uh, and other things like that. He saw at one of his, one of his events, a young Clint Barton, and he saw the potential that this man or this, this boy who would eventually turn out to be Hawkeye had in him. So along with another character, he trained him in blades and in archery. And Swordsman had a gambling addiction and tried to rob the carnival. And then he he tried to kill Clint because Clint witnessed this robbery. Uh, Eventually, Clint Barton climbed up to the high ropes and Swordsman cut him down and let him fall to his death or so he thought. But then Clint Barton obviously recovered and became Hawkeye. Most of the time, Swordsman is a villain. He was also recruited by the Mandarin to become a double agent in the Avengers. And eventually he became an Avenger and died protecting Mantis. Uh, This may be the same Mantis from Guardians of the Galaxy. Maybe not. I'm not sure. I was unsure of it. Um, But it's funny because in the comics, he tried to be an Avenger several times. Some of the times he was being honest and he wanted to help and be a hero. And some of the time... He was trying to double cross the Avengers. So, I don't know. Swordsman, apparently he's showing up in the thing. Maybe it'll, maybe it'll show some of the backstory for Hawkeye. Maybe that's why we're getting Swordsman. And then the last character in uh, the Hawkeye show that I could find is uh, Kazi, or Kazimiriz, Kazmirizak, who moved to America after his circus family was killed during an armed conflict. And he became a mercenary. He's been hired on different occasions by different mob bosses in order to kill Clint Barton. And so maybe he is a, the bad guy of the Hawkeye series, or maybe he is an underling to the bad guy of the Hawkeye series. 
I'm not entirely, I'm not entirely sure, but either way now, hopefully, you know, a little bit more about these Marvel characters and you have a little bit more to go off as you get into these Marvel shows. Remember to let me know how close I was with WandaVision. Any of the things I said, were they true? Was the internet correct? But we've got a lot of shows coming up in 2021 that hopefully you haven't canceled your Disney Plus account, or if you have, hopefully you renew it. Like I said, next week I'm going to be diving into some of the MCU and Marvel movies that are coming out in 2021. That's to include Morbius, Black Widow, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, uh, Venom 2, The Eternals, and Spider-Man 3. So it's going to be a great year. We had nothing as far as Marvel goes last year. This year we are getting everything. And it is so good. I cannot wait. My body is ready. Hopefully you guys are going to watch WandaVision. And I'll be watching it with you uh, from across the globe. But that's all we've got for today's show. Make sure uh, you have a wonderful Wonderful weekend, because on the other side of the weekend, you've got the Monday Madness show coming up on the Culture Jack podcast. And make sure to leave us a review. It would help us incredibly uh, if you just left a review on there. We'll give you a shout out on the podcast. Say, look at this guy. Look at this great guy or gal leaving us reviews over here. It also helps the algorithm recognize that people want more Culture Jacked in their lives. I know I do. You can also get in contact with us uh, on Facebook and at Twitter at Culture Jacked or send us an email at culture.collective.x2 at gmail.com. But besides that, it's so good to be back. I've missed you so much. Have a good weekend. Be safe out there. Cheers. Cheers.